We're going to dive into God's Word this morning. I just don't want you to miss it because I'm excited because it's something God has walked me through. And it's something that I want to just put out there for all of us to walk through. So if you have your Bibles or your electronic devices, I invite you to go to the book of Exodus. We're going to rock it a little Old Testament today. Is that all right? All right. So, you know, I usually don't preach like this because I usually don't preach. That just jumped into my head. There's a reason why I don't usually do this because I'm usually not preaching. But when I do, I usually try to build up to the end. But I'm just going to ruin it for you, and I'm going to give you some of the highlights early on. Is that okay? Because what I'm going to throw down, I want to make sure y'all are stepping in, okay? I want to make sure y'all get it. I want to make sure you just understand it. So um, my hope is, as I get into God's Word, that we allow God to speak through us, through His Word, and we're reminded of this. God wins. Now y'all got to check your pulse. Okay, because what I just said was God wins. And now if that don't make you excited, then we got a long journey ahead of us. Okay, because what I'm going to just sort of unpack here through his word is just that, that notion of God winning. And I've entitled the message for this weekend, Be Kind, Rewind. Which I know that half of the population in this room don't even understand that saying. I'll explain that in a minute. I'll explain where Be Kind, Rewind comes from. But I I named it that because I believe as followers of Christ, we need to go back and be reminded of the things in the past that helped shape our walk with Christ today. See, I, I think we can easily jump into the middle and miss some of the history. And when we miss history, we miss his story and how it brings us to understand where we're at today in regards to the understanding that God wins. And I believe that as we go back and we rewind, we see played out repeatedly the importance of keeping God first. And when we keep God first, we understand that he wins. So as we look at this passage, I want us to stop and think for just a minute. And this is like a rhetorical question time, which means this is a question that only you are going to answer inside your brain. It's not anything you're going to answer out loud. That could get awkward. We don't have the time for that much therapy. But what I want to do is just simply, you know, walk through this and ask these two simple questions. What's keeping you from experiencing victory through your relationship with God? Now, that's not to assume that maybe you're not. Maybe you all are having that victorious life that comes from God where, you know, there's some amazing stuff going on in your life and you need to be coaching someone else and how you're living victorious through Christ in your life. That we we, we got to gather people around to say, let's go, let's keep going. This victorious life is happening now, and I want to take you with me. Maybe you're living that, and your relationship with God is just amazing. But maybe it's not. So what's keeping you from experiencing that victory through your relationship with God? And the, the second question is this. Who in your life have you intentionally put in place to help you grow in your relationship with God? See, and here's why I ask these questions. The first question, I believe this. God wants you to experience victory that comes through knowing his son, Jesus, personally. Not knowing of him, but knowing him personally, to have a personal relationship, excuse me, with him. See, Jesus conquered death on our behalf. Three days later, came out of the tomb, walked out of the tomb, and is alive today. God wins. And see, it wasn't just that, you know, it's not just history. It's not just something. It's real. My God is alive today. He's alive, and he's walking, and he walked out of the tombs. He took off the, the cloth of death, and he stepped out, and he said, you know, I have conquered death. Yeah. 
And that's what has me pursuing this relationship, to be in this relationship because God wins. But, but greater than just saying God wins, I, I believe that message right there is what we need to hear in 2017 and help people understand this. Christ died for you. He died for me. Was dead, buried, on the third day, rose from death. God wins. You know, I, I, I've read the back of the book. I understand the outcome. That's why I can proclaim that God wins. A few years back when the Passion of Christ came out, you know, I had an acquaintance you know, just sort of stop me and say, uh, hey, are you going to go see the movie The Passion of Christ? And I said, I'll probably get there eventually. I'm not going right away. He's like, you're not. There's all this hype on The Passion of Christ. How come you're not going right away? You're a pastor. I said, well, it's because I know how the story ends. And he goes, you do? And I said, Yeah. I read the book. He goes, there's a book? I said, yeah. It's called the Bible. And he gave me this death stare. And I said, have you read it? Do you understand it? Because I think too many people have it, but they don't understand it. They may own it. It may sit on the shelf, but we've never read the back of the book. And if you read the back of the book, you understand God wins. And I'm crazy enough to believe that God has a desire for you to win as well. Christ didn't say, I'll give you a mediocre life. He said, I'll give you a full, abundant life. And I believe that God wants you to have victory in your life through a relationship with his son. I believe that if we keep God first, we will see that victory. The second reason I, second question I ask, because I believe who you associate with will allow you, will be an influence in you, you know, who you allow to come alongside you will have a significant impact on how much you keep God first. So let's look at the book of Exodus, chapter 17, starting at verse 8. It reads like this. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites in Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men, and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the, staff God, with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses has ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held his hands, held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone, they put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Then Jesus said, that, I'm sorry, then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it, because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. So just to put the whole title into context, to understand why I said be kind, rewind, it's because sometimes we've got to go back and pick up pieces. We've got to rewind and go back and understand history. Now, I grew up in the era where we would wait for Friday nights to come around because Friday nights meant we got to go to Blockbuster. And it was a big deal. And, and if it, it, Stick with me, young people. I'll explain it in just a minute, okay? They're going, Mom, what's Blockbuster? It's a really old store that doesn't exist anymore. But it was a big deal on Friday night to go to the video store. We would go, and you'd want to be first because if you got there late, you got the bad pick of the movies. And it was like, I've seen that one 13 times. I don't want to see it again. But you couldn't leave the store without a video because it's Friday night, and you had to have a video. 
And so you get there early and you get your video. And there was nothing worse than renting your video and getting home and throwing it in the VCR only to have it start midway through the movie because whoever had it before you didn't rewind it. And then you're trying to figure out what's going on. And you got to, you know, at this time, walk across the room, hit rewind. And so they would hang in the stores a sign that said, be kind, rewind. Because you just didn't want to pick up in the middle of the story. You wanted to throw the cassette in. And it was big. It was massive. <laughs> Throw the cassette in. And you hoped that whoever had it before you had rewound it. Be kind. Rewind was the sign hanging in the video store. Because it was always good to let someone go back and start at the beginning. But that didn't work enough. So then they started charging you 50 cents if you didn't rewind. And back in those days, 50 cents was a lot. It was half of a dollar back then. So be kind, rewind is where it comes from. And it's one of the things, the second greatest thing next to the VCR was the remote. You didn't have to cross the room anymore. And so if you put the video in and it started mid midway through, you just hit the remote. You'd pause, hit the remote, and rewind. And this was a good thing. This was a powerful thing. The remote is a thing from God, amen? Men, where are you? I'm preaching. Come on because we now have control from our comfy chairs. And it didn't matter. You throw a video in, and you're getting ready to watch, and it just seems like, okay, you settle down, you got your popcorn, it's quiet, I'm focused. And it seemed like at the point you hit play, that's when somebody would come into the room and have to give you their life story. It was like you just hit play, and you're getting into the movie, you're getting ready to start, and all of a sudden, you know, your uncle has to come in and explain to you how his spleen exploded, which is important, just not now. And all of a sudden, you're distracted. So you have the remote, you're rewinding, you're going back so that you pick up the pieces that you missed. And I think that's why we have the Old Testament so that we can go back and we can pick up some of the stuff that maybe we're not gathering. We may have jumped into this thing from the New Testament where we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We understand who Jesus is, but we got to go back. we got to rewind and understand the victory that comes through God. Now, when I say that, I want you to understand I'm not talking about any God. I'm talking about the victory that comes from the God. Because anything we allow to put into our lives, anything we allow to take place of the God can become a God. So I'm not talking about a God. I'm talking about the God and how the God wins. And I'm not just playing on words because we're all capable of putting something before God. So before we got into this Netflix and this on-demand world where it was at our fingertips an instant, we had to put in the labor, and we had to go back and rewind. So tonight, this morning, whatever time it is, I just want to uh, take and uh, rewind just a little bit and understand from the passage that we just read how this applies to our lives. Because, you know, we just read that in this narrative where God's chosen people under the leadership of Moses, and with the supernatural help from God, delivered Israel from Egypt, and they were led into the wilderness en route to the promised land. And, and what we see is a part of history where they're out in the middle of the wilderness, and in their journey, Israel came to Rephidim. And there in Rephidim, the Amalekites, a nomadic descendant of Esau, began to conduct assaults against the Israelite people. They just showed up. 
They were just there. So, you know, the Amalekites showed up, and Moses sent Joshua to choose out men to go and fight the Amalekites while he and a few of his friends would go up on the hill overlooking the battle with his staff, with the rod of God in his hands, he would lead them to victory. So let me point out a couple of observations. The first one is this. Sometimes opposition just shows up. Sometimes in our life, opposition just shows up. We didn't ask for it. We didn't do anything. It just shows up. And as a follower of Christ, this becomes consistent because as we start living for Christ, Satan's going to raise his ugly head and get in the way. See, when we read this, Moses didn't mention a reason for the Amalekites' attack on Israel. They just were there. And in our own walk, sometimes opposition just shows up. We, we don't go looking for it. We haven't done anything to cause opposition. It just shows up. But here's what I know. When we, when we set out trying anything significant for God, we will face opposition. Satan doesn't want us to be successful. Satan didn't want God to be successful, and Satan doesn't want God's people to be successful. He's crafty, and he wants to show up however he can and do everything he can to keep you from doing anything you can in order for God to get the glory. Sometimes opposition just shows up. The second observation as I read this is that God has placed people in your life to help you in the battle. See, Moses said to Joshua, choose some men out and go to fight the Amalekites. And he says, tomorrow I'll stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. In order for him to choose, you got to understand that they were already there. He didn't say go find. He said go find and train. He said go choose, which means he says go find people who are ready for this battle. Go pick out people that are willing to go with you, that are you know, capable to accomplish the task that we set out with. Choose these people. And then Moses says, you know, Aaron and her, we're going up to the mountaintop. Joshua didn't have to find people. He already had people around him. He had to choose those that would serve with him. The last observation is simply this, that God placed victory in our hands. See, as long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. Winning, not winning. Winning, not winning. Whenever his hands were up, they were winning. Whenever he had the staff above him, they were winning. Whenever Moses kept God above him, they were winning. But whenever Moses brought God down to his level, they were getting defeated. And I wonder how many of us are walking through stuff feeling defeated, and maybe, just maybe, we've taken God from being above us and brought him to our level. Maybe we're feeling defeated because we think we're equal with God's instead of God being greater than who we are. See, God didn't leave Moses out there all by himself without the tools to accomplish the task. And I don't believe God has placed us where we are without the tools to accomplish the task. See, we're, we're, we're blessed. We are a blessed people, a blessed nation because we have this. God says, here, I'm going to give you the tools. But here's what we do a lot of times with the tools. Instead of having the tools in our hand, we have the tools on the shelf, and we wonder why we're feeling defeated. 
When God says, look, I've given you the tools so that you can go back in history and understand his story so that we can understand what it is so we can rewind to understand what it is God is pouring into us. And every time I turn the pages, I'm understanding God wins. God's given us his word. And we're so lucky. I mean, we're so lucky. There's, there's countries today that you get killed for this. There's countries today that this is forbidden. But in our country, too often, this is ignored. And I got to tell you, that's, that's one of the passions I have is getting into God's word. And I think it's amazing that as a church, we encourage you to be in God's word. We, we say, hey, life journal. Life journaling is an amazing thing. We don't say life journal so you can check a box and you say, you know what, today I life journaled. It's an opportunity for you to be into God's word so you can understand the rich history and the understanding God's word. And it's a living, breathing thing so that every time you get into it, you may have read it last year one way and you read it the same way and God's speaking to you differently because you're going through something different. But in order for God to speak to us through his word, we have to be in his word. Amen? I just want to make sure y'all are so awake. So I feel like I'm doing okay up here, but y'all sound like you're asleep. Are you with me? Okay, I just want to make sure because we're getting ready to get into some stuff where we get to apply it. See, as long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. And I believe God wants you to win. So, so check this out. Here's just some simple things, some simple application for us to take. Number one, victory comes with help. Victory comes with help. By God's design, you were not meant to be alone. See, in Genesis 2, God looked at Adam all by himself and proclaimed these words, it's not good for man to be alone. And, and see, as God designed you, he said, let us make man in our image. Did you catch the wording there? He said, let us. He didn't say, let me. So the triune God, the three in one, with the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, he said, let us create man in our image. So God himself is in community with himself, the triune God, and he says, let's make man to be in community. We weren't meant to be alone. Victory comes with help. And, and you know, we have this self-help society where if we go to Barnes & Noble or any bookstore, there's a whole section of self-help books. And why is it when we get in trouble, when we get, you know, just burdened, we don't go, self, help me. We say, Lord, help me. Because that's where the victory comes from. The victory comes through Christ alone. The cornerstone. And sometimes we go through and we say, I, I have just enough Christ to, to try to do it on my own. And when we get into trouble, we don't cling back to Christ. In fact, we should never leave Christ. We should keep him with us. We should follow in his footsteps, not ask him to follow in our footsteps. And I believe that God does not want you to be alone. That God put people in your life to walk with you. God put people in my life to walk with me, to support me. And, and someone once said that God put you know, people in our life as a gift. And let's be honest, there's some gifts that we want to return. But here's the truth. There may be people in our lives, in our lives that annoy us, that rub us, that just challenge us. But maybe through that, God's you know, shaving off the parts that he doesn't want in us. He's, he's honing us. He's developing us to be something that he's called us to in the future. 
He's saying, I know what you're walking through right now. I know it might be rough, but I've got a plan for you. And, you know, these people that you want to give back these gifts, maybe they're shaping you for what I have in your future. But see, he doesn't want us to do it alone. He doesn't say, hey, do it alone. See, Moses sent Joshua into battle. Well, he took Aaron and her up on the mountain, the overlooking mountain. Now, here's where things get interesting. When Moses would raise his staff, the Israelites were winning. They were victorious. But when he would lower his staff, they would, the Amalekites would be winning. So there's that supernatural order. God first, us second. God first, us second. God first, us, us second. So as long as he held his hands up, they were victorious. But when he got tired and he would lower it, because I don't know if you've ever tried all day long keeping your hands above your head. I bet you we couldn't do it for the next five minutes without going, man, you know, I'm getting a little tired here. And what they did is they said, okay, Moses, you need to keep God above you. You're the leader. You need to keep God above you as you lead the rest of this. So they got a rock and they set it down and they set Moses on the rock so that he was at a different level so that when Moses' hands were up, they were able to hold his hands like this, one on one side and one on the other in order for him to keep the staff above him so that God was first, then man. And when that happened, they were victorious. I don't know what battle you're facing. I don't know what you're walking through or what you're about to walk through. Here's what I know. That for most of us, if not all of us, we're either about to go into something, we're in the middle of something, or we're just coming out of something. And I wonder how many of us that have come out of something are willing to go to someone else and say, keep God first. Stop bringing God to your level. Because here's what happens. When we bring God to our level, I don't know about you, but that's not a God that's big enough for me to worship. I want to worship a mighty God. An incredible God, an awesome God, a God that's so far above me that I can bring everything that I'm carrying and lay it at his feet, that I don't have to carry it alone. And I know that, you know, as we go through these battles, we get beat up, we're tired, and sometimes as we try to hold God up, we start holding on to our own stuff, and we let go of some stuff, and we hold this up, and we get weak because we're holding on to God, trying to keep him up just a little bit here like this, and pretty soon we get tired, and we start holding on to our stuff. And we get worn out and we get tired. And we sometimes we just need a Savior who's going to take that. We can dump it at his feet and say, here, carry this for me. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. He says, look, let me, let me take this on for you. Let me be someone who can take this on. And on the cross, he took the weight of the sin of the world for you and for me, so that we could have victory in him. You who are weary and tired in doing things on your own, you who are tired of carrying the load, maybe it's time that we just put God first in our lives. You see, there's, there's no true victory without Jesus. There, there's no true victory without Jesus, and as long as we continue to put God as an equal, then we'll no longer have a God worthy of worship. See, I believe Moses' friends reminded him to keep God first. No matter how tough it got, Aaron and Hur were there to help Moses raise his hands and keep his hands up. And every time he'd get tired, he'd say, nope, because the battle ahead of us, Moses, I need you to keep God first. And some of us are going through stuff, and we need to be reminded, no matter what we're going through, we need to keep God first. Victory wasn't for by ourselves. Second thing is this, choose the right people. Choose the right people. 
I remember long ago the importance of being chosen. It was one of those days where you'd go out to recess and it was time for kickball. And you just hope you weren't the last one picked. Because let's be honest, I wasn't the fastest, but I just wanted to play. And so you stand in line as the guy with the ball goes and starts choosing their teams. And you're going, man, I hope I get picked. And, or you're a guy going, pee, 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 pee. and then you get picked. Wasn't quite the last. Second to last, maybe. But here's what I learned when it came to kickball. That when I put all of this into that ball, it didn't stand a chance. And so what I learned is I didn't have to be the fastest. I just had to put all this into all that to make it go way over there. Because when it went way over there, I didn't have to be the fastest going around the bases. I bought myself time. I'm a smart kickball player. <laughs> this was a skill I learned early on so that it took me from being the back of the line and being chosen to be one of the first because I knew, man, he could kick the ball, which is a great skill to have in elementary school. Now, when it comes to a relay team, this might not be the talent you want. Good for kickball, bad for relay. We have to choose the right people for what we're going through. See, it, we're not talking about the interview process for a job. We're talking about who's going to come and support us in our walk with Christ. Who's going to come alongside you? Who's going to undergird you? Who's going to support you and say, keep your eye on Christ. Keep walking forward. Keep, you know, keep God above you. See, Moses told Joshua to choose some of our men to go out and fight. He didn't say, take everyone and go and fight. He didn't say, hey, go check your Facebook feed and invite them all. He said, choose. Moses went up onto the mountain with Aaron and Hur. He didn't take, he didn't look around and say, all you who didn't get chosen for Joshua, come with me. He took two people up on the mountain. Moses took men with him who would support him. Joshua took men with him who would accomplish the task. And I think we need to think harder about who we choose to surround ourselves with in order to be successful when it comes to keeping God first. See, the mindset is not just inviting the whole Facebook family. Because if I got into something serious, you know, I don't know that I'd want to invite everybody on Facebook. All my Facebook friends, I only know about half of them. You know, because we get these requests and we accept these requests and we think we have lots of friends, but that's not necessarily who I'm going to choose to help remind me to keep God first. Be selective. Choose these people that are going to come into your life, that are going to undergird you, they're going to support you, they're going to lift you up and say, you know what, you can do this. Here's what we tend to do. We tend to pick the wrong people. We pick the wrong people for the wrong reasons. We pick people that we feel will allow us to do what we want to do in our lives instead of picking people that are going to challenge us to do what God wants us to do in our life. Ecclesiastes 4, 12 says this, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, and a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So if I'm by myself, which we already said is not good to be, I can be defeated. Two, not defeated as much. Three, now you've got a fight on your hands. But here's what I like. Picking the right people means people are going to lay down their lives. They're going to challenge you. They're going to come alongside you to say, you know what? I'm in this fight with you. John 15, 13 says this. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life 
for one's friend. Sometimes we can't even get our friends to show up with a pickup truck if we're moving, let alone lay down their lives for us. And then when I think about choosing the right people, I wonder, am I the kind of person that would be chosen in someone else's life? Am I living my life in order that someone's going to choose me to say, hey, I want you to walk through this with me? Am I being that kind of friend to them? Am I a constant, a consistent, sacrificial, genuine, loving person that reflects the love of God? Is that who I'm being in order that they would choose me to walk through life with them? See, through, through the support of those chosen, Moses was victorious. God enabled Israel to prevail over the enemy. And by Aaron and her, during their part, Moses' hands were steady until victory was won. The third thing is this. Remember. Remember what God has done and will do. Remember what God has done and will do. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered. He's saying, write this down so that we can be kind and rewind and go back and remember the victory that God gave them here. He says, because I'm going to completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Moses is saying, what, what happened here is something that needs to be remembered. This is one of those YouTube moments where Moses is going, man, I hope you captured that. I hope you got that on video because I'm going to go home and I'm going to post that. Because I need people to watch that. I hope we have so many people watching. Hashtag God wins. Hashtag keeping God first. Hashtag victory in Jesus. It's where I hope you understand that through this history, you understand God wins. And I'll never grow tired of saying it, and I hope you're not getting tired of hearing it. Because I think it's a message in 2017 we need to hear. No matter what we're going through, God wins. Be kind, rewind, reminds me of the video cameras, the big behemoth video cameras. See, young people, you have it on your phone today where we're recording everything. We're posting everything. But back in the day, in order to record something, you had to take this behemoth video camera, like mount this thing on your shoulder, which I don't know about you, but every time I did, I felt like I worked for the news crew. <laughs> Action 9 News. But... I remember my dad would take this, this, this behemoth of a thing on vacation, and it had its own suitcase, so we had to make room for the video recorder, and it would re reduce the amount of luggage we could actually bring because it was so huge. And here's my dad. I'm just going to, my dad would take this video camera, and, you know, for some reason, every time he mounted the camera to take video, he felt he had to narrate the story. Your parents too, huh? And it's like, you know, this, like he's narrating Wild Kingdom or something, but he's videotaping a car parking, okay? And now the car is coming to a halt. No, it's still moving. No, it's slowing. Slowing, it stopped. And I remember standing next to him as he's videotaping, I'm going, Dad, it's video. We can see now what's going on. But as I go back and I watch the videos, here's what my dad is doing. My dad is saying, look, I don't want you to miss any of this. 
Maybe you're not getting it all, so I'm going to capture it. I'm going to tell you what's going on because I don't want you to miss any of this. I want you to remember how all this happens. So when I watch videotapes now, you know, it's like, oh, that's what he's doing. He's reminding me of all the stuff that I don't get in just from the visual. God's saying, look, I've laid out the details. I've given you time and time again the little pieces to put it together because I want you to know simply this. God wins. Do you see how victorious God allowed us to be when he kept him first? Moses is saying, I want you to remember how victorious we were allowed to be when God, when we kept God first, when we kept him above us, we were victorious. And I wonder, are we not victorious today simply because we haven't kept God above us?